Welcome to Tech on Toast. The Tech on Toast podcast is powered by REMS Hospitality, using market data to grow your revenue. To find out more about Tech on Toast, head over to our website, techontoast.community, where you can listen to all of our podcasts, read all of our blogs, and search for the latest hospitality tech in our marketplace. Enjoy the show. Hello all, welcome to the next episode of Tech on Toast, and this week we are very happy to be joined with Patrick Clover, founder of Stampede. Patrick, how are you? I'm very good, thanks, Chris. How are you? I, I'm all right. Not my everyone asked me that. You're very kind, so thank you. No, I'm very good. And uh, where are you, Patrick? Because uh, I always like to ask this at the start. I'm based in Wales, and you are? So we are based in Edinburgh, so at the moment I'm working from home, but offices um, in Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, lovely place to be. If you haven't been there, you should visit. It is a, it's a beautiful city. So, I mean, before we get into it, tell us a little bit about you and, um, and how you've got to this point. So, so yeah, I'm Patrick, founder at Stampede, and I guess I'm a, a natural problem solver, and I'd probably describe myself as a hardcore technologist. Um, <laughs> like, I love uh, good experiences with technology, and I get so infuriated when I have bad experiences with technology. And I think the problem solver part of me sees those things and, and says, there must be a better way of doing that. Um, so, you know, applying technology to solve real world problems. And I, and it's actually quite a stressful mindset to have, to be honest, um, because it, it, it kind of spans across everything that I do. And so, yeah, living yeah, with exhausted already thinking about your life. It must yeah. <laughs> exhausting because you're constantly iterating, right? You're constantly thinking, I need to change that. Totally. Yeah. Or like that thing could be better or there's an opportunity here. Um, and so I guess just to, to give you a bit, a bit of the why, um, about nine years ago, I was working for a company that was installing Wi-Fi networks. So it was an IT company. And lots of our customers at the time were saying, we want to use this Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi network to be able to collect customer data. And there wasn't really anything um, that I was happy with, uh, given <laughs> what I just said, um, that, that worked well enough. Um, and so we did try like various things that were out there, but it, most of them had a really poor customer experience. They seemed to be very tech-focused. Um, so they wouldn't like recognize customers if they visited twice. The user experience was pretty weak. Um, and some of this technology still exists today in the airports, for example. Um, and the, the whole process is pretty cumbersome. And it just seemed like there's got to be a better way of doing this. And the upside was so massive because of how many people use those services. Yeah. So I, I kind of pitched, my, pitched this idea to my boss at the time. And he said, like that's insane that's not our business like you know we basically fit boxes um and so i yeah like three three months after then i i quit my job and sort of started working on a prototype um and built built something and then just started pitching it to um local businesses in edinburgh and funnily enough like just by chance and i, I learned this recently edinburgh has got three times the number of hospitality businesses per capita than any other city in the uk including london wow so if if one was to start a business selling into hospitality um edinburgh is not the worst place to do to do that um and so so yeah for the for the first sort of three months i was like knocking on doors just saying you know this is what you're doing at the moment this is how i think it could be improved um and yeah, I guess was quite successful in, in doing that. And the product sort of spoke for itself. And um, we then started to onboard a significant number of, of customers. And then we created this, I guess, second order problem, which was we were now collecting loads of really great rich customer data for customers. 
um, but they didn't really know what to do with it. And so that led to, I guess, what Stampede is, you know, seven years on today. Um, and so Stampede is a full service platform for any um, any tech that interacts with customers on the venue's behalf. So bookings, Wi-Fi, loyalty, reviews, gift cards, um, you name it. The reason that there's so many things there is because, um, yeah, I've just been pretty frustrated, I guess, with the offerings that exist out there. And I thought there has to be a better way. This should be simpler for operators um, because at the moment, like you walk into a venue um, and you're not recognized, even if you go there, you know, once a week, um, the front of house staff are always changing. So it's always like you're treated like a stranger. And I guess in an ideal world, hospitality is you walk in there and they're like, hey, Patrick, welcome back. Yeah, it's the cheers mentality. Is that like a, in Boston, every corner bar, they recognize you as you walk in, right? Your beer flies down the bar. <laughs> totally. And so, I, and so I think there's this like amazing opportunity for technology to enable that type of experience and not get in the way of, I guess, like operations and like, you know, the day-to-day stuff where it can just sort of work in the background um, and deliver a, a, an exceptional amount of value while allowing businesses to focus on what great hospitality looks like. So I guess that's like why we exist um, and a little bit about me. I think it's pretty, I mean, it's lovely. I'm just picturing everybody listening, packing their bags and moving to Edinburgh. Uh, now, you know, you've told them that. And uh, I think, I actually think, because I think Kick Server or Quick Server also based up in Edinburgh. Um, that's right, yeah. Yeah, Daniel's up there, and I, th- I think it's interesting. I think it's a great city, and you're right. And it, I think you're, all, you're not on your own up there, but it is quite interesting, isn't it, that you can have a really good go at what you're doing and get a good picture of what uh, success looks like. So, yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, they'll all be on the way up uh, on the train from London. Um, and you talked very briefly about there, but, like, customer retention. And actually, the golden goose of hospitality, actually, these days is um, gaining a new customer or keeping an old one. Losing, you know, take that takes a long time to do, but losing one is really quick, right? It's really easy to upset people. How how is Stampede supporting that? And you did briefly explain it there, but just expand a little bit on, you know, how you guys can help support retention. So I, I think a, a large part of retention is is just about so so like the first order problem is like do do customers have visibility of their retention metrics? Um, so retention is a problem in any business. Um, by the way, it doesn't matter whether you're. A <laughs> yeah. The hospitality business like it's never green like, problem as well i think yeah <laughs> yeah totally so it's obviously always um it's more cost effective to retain your existing customers rather than acquiring new ones and i think that is a is a truth that exists like across the board and and i think if you if you were to look at um industries that i would say are more tech literate like SaaS or e-commerce the 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 retention tools that exist are phenomenal. So you can like pull a report of, I mean, we have it for our business where we can look at attrition over, you know, a, a period of months. And so we might say, what's our attrition like this month versus last month or this year versus last year. And it will map out a whole cohort of like, this is what customers are. This is what the customer behavior is telling us. And this is when um, I, I guess most importantly from that observability is when you're, when your retention points really matter. And so that might be if you've got loads of customers coming in January, at what month do those customers start dropping out? At what month do they start, you know, stop visiting um, more often? So I guess um, the first thing that we do is we give that type of reporting to all of our customers, no matter if they're, you know, a single site operator or, you know, they're operating a hundred units. Um, and the numbers are, uh, are really interesting um, just on that. But I think once you once you have that set of customer data, you can then 
you can effectively deploy, you have the insight to be able to deploy strategies to say, you know, using the January example. So we've got loads of new customers coming in January, but, um, you know, 2% of them are coming in the month after. And then there's a drop off where that says 0.1% of them are coming in the month after that. And then you effectively never see them again. So there's really like a, it's, there's like a time window, you know, if that, if that um, set of metrics is true for, for your business, there's a time window that says, actually, let's do whatever we can to get them coming back in. And then let's look at whether that's being successful or not. So what we're doing to help is we're giving, you know, all venues the ability to see that set of data. And then we're also giving them the tools, I guess, retention tools to be able to say, you know, if your uh, retention metric is, you know, below 2%, then send someone this email um, or, you know, whatever it is, send them this SMS or incentivize them to come back in, but on a on an individual basis. So really trying to help with a behavioral change rather than a, you know, a business as usual type of environment. Yeah, the old um, bounce back or the the two for one or whatever you know whatever we before tech you know when, when I'm old uh, when I used to be in operations that's the kind of thing we would use but I think we're still using that but it's in a digital fashion right so it, it's much more interesting and did, you were going to mention numbers but you coiled back from it, did, it what, what kind of what kind of can you give me an idea of kind of results around the January uh, thing I mean yeah, I, don't so, want to put you on the I mean it, it does um, so so I mean one of the things that we we knew was going to happen to be honest because we've been doing this for a while. Uh, and the da- the data is pretty true on an aggregate um, on an aggregate scale. Is that December in hospitality is exceptionally busy? Retention um, January, February, March is exceptionally weak, and then it starts to pick up again. So one of the things that we see is that in January um, you have a lot of new customers and, and repeat customers, which is great. But then you know. I can't remember exactly what it is on top of my head, but about 5% of them come back the year later. But the window in between is, you know, I, I would say almost like non-existent. Yeah. And so, that, so everybody should be creating campaigns to say, if we've seen someone um, in December, here's a strategy over the next six months, or here's a, you know, a workflow of emails, text messages, or, you know, whatever the campaign is to be able to drive those people back in. So to make that behavioral change happen, because at the moment, it's almost like the business as usual seasonality is the status quo, but people aren't really doing um, a huge amount to buck that trend. I guess, I guess is is what I would say. And and I and I think I empathise with the with the challenges because we obviously speak to operators on a daily basis, and December is like you know all hell's breaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they're all leave me alone. I don't want to do anything. And and that and you know I, I, I totally appreciate that, but that is. Um, absolutely the time when all of those things should be engineered um it's obviously a bit late talking about this now because we've got another you know x months to go but but those trends kind of exist you know throughout seasonal events in the year and you see um a large amount of footfall going out and then the the drop-off kind of happens naturally and so i think it's about trying to engineer um that that data in a way that will change people's behaviors and i don't think that's necessarily about offering you know huge discounts two for ones or anything i think it's more just about saying hey we're here this is what we're doing this month um to a you know a a subset of people that could be retained that currently aren't no and i think that's and that's one of my questions is about kind of connecting the data once you because you're gathering lots of data which is a fantastic thing right if you can use it uh and if you use it properly and if it's as you i think you used the word rich before about rich data so is it valuable 
I mean, how hard is that to do to actually then, once you've got, got all, gathered all of this data and then segment it and market to it properly? So uh, I would say extremely difficult uh, <laughs> because, like, data exists in these silos and we have this problem in our business as well and i think it's true of every business um where there are these like pots of data that might be invaluable or might tell you something when added to another set of data that you that you couldn't have come up with if, if the two things weren't joined and i think that that is that's one of the problems that exists with like uh i guess it's like a 21st century problem everybody's been creating these like you know yeah. tools to solve an individual a specific problem like um i don't know for SaaS businesses calendly is a great example it, it it solves the problem of booking in time with someone um in hospitality there's you know there's there's loads of solutions for like tipping ordering marketing so it might be like you're using mailchimp for marketing you're using i don't know some something for sign up forms trying not to name names uh <laughs> You're using something for tipping, you know, but all of these bits of data kind of exist in different places and piecing them all together is it almost becomes like a data science project. And the resource that exists within hospitality doesn't support uh, that type of activity or, or talent, I guess, just because like, you know, the salary of a data scientist could go from 300K to 500K for a, yeah. for a hospitality operator, you know, probably unless you're, you know, in the thousands of units, it's just out of the question. Um, and so, so I think in answer to the, to the problem, connecting the data is exceptionally hard. And, and also when they're all from different places, it becomes stale as soon as it gets passed over. So unless there's like a, a constant two-way sync, um, I think someone called it a single customer view. That was the uh, uh, like a great way of really looking at it. So all in one place, all connected on the same customer journey rather than having, as you say, dipping in and out of different um, products potentially or different um, SaaS products. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think that was the way it was described to me. Yeah, so, so that is, that's exactly how, for the for the initiated person, that's exactly how I'd say what, what we do works. So, you know, if someone's using our marketing platform, booking platform, Wi-Fi platform, reviews platform, all of that stuff is, um, you know, vertically integrated. So if you're sending out an email about bookings, we can then track conversion on number of bookings, on footfall generated, on, you know, retention cohorts, on number of views left. So all of that stuff comes for free effectively. So there is no interconnect between any of these different systems. Obviously, we do have third-party integrations, um, but... Yeah, naturally, we prefer our, our first party ones. I think I would caveat caveat that with there are some exceptionally good um, software platforms within hospitality. Uh, there's a product called Toggle, which I would describe as one of those platforms. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if, if someone was to say, are we going to use our gift cards over theirs? I would say, let's use theirs all day, every day, because it's an exceptionally good platform. Um, I think, unfortunately, there are, few examples of where that is true um and so that's why you know that's why we offer um all those various things no that's great and, and i think um it was interesting before you were discussing we i did i brought up two for one bad me uh but i brought up two for ones which most operators have been wincing at um but you you must get involved in quite a lot of campaigns or help design do you help design campaigns or how does, how does that work and uh, give me some examples i suppose of um good and bad without naming uh without naming and shaming yeah yeah well i mean i've got um I'll focus on the good, I think. Yes, uh, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, just to keep keep it nice and upbeat. So we have a we've got a campaign manager that's customer facing. So if right. I mean for some of our customers, so like in December, for example, they are just too busy to to run these type of promotions. So we'll proactively reach out and say, based on the data that we've got within the platform, this is some things that we think could work really well. Um, and you know we'll we'll basically provide the template, the customer list, and all we need is the approval from the customer. Um, so try and make that really slick for customers that. Um, you know, we're using something like MailChimp. Um, using our platform is a really great alternative. So they can, you know, build build out their own weird and wonderful campaigns, any designs they want. Um, you know, it takes a few minutes and then they hit send on it. Um, I guess in the in the positive um, campaigns that we've seen, um, so we've got a customer called Brickhouse um, that's in Southend. And so they're a really great uh, use case for us. Um, so I'm going to give two contrasting um, campaign examples here. Um, it's, I would say it's, um, it's like casual dining type of food. And right. so every Monday to Thursday, they run a, um, like a meal deal, which is a burger wrap, fries, um, and a drink for $9.95. Um, and the email is really simple. It's got like this GIF that kind of like flashes and it's like 995. Here's a thing. Here's an example of these three things. And then the call to action is book now. Um, so from that campaign, um, which gets sent out once a week, uh, they're seeing an, an additional 10,000 pounds worth of, um, visit ROI. So number of people that were tracked into the venue wow. that wouldn't have come into the venue had they not received that campaign that did, that then came in, uh, <laughs> Clear. <laughs> quite elaborate um and so they're all they also get 106 extra bookings from that a week so like i mean just put that on your website that'll do right <laughs> so, I mean, i'm just because I'm, like, I'm a very i'm a restaurant guy who loves tech uh, it's yeah, not the other yeah. way around and it's i find it riveting you know i find it so interesting that um the golden goose as i called it before is finding that new customer getting a new customer is absolute gold because if once you get them you can do a great job you can keep them right and regardless of frequency they're yours uh, for a while and um i think just being able to give that example of driving revenue through what you do through clever campaigns or just through actually it's more about is it a bit about discipline around marketing and a bit a bit of discipline around the way you behave around your customer data because i suppose rhythm and everything like that is quite key right yeah i think so and i think that they're um people get into the flow of things don't they and, and it's yeah people, people kind of don't like change um and so you do what you've always done because that's the, that's the thing that you do um and so if if what you do is you take a csv from one place you upload it into another and your job for the week is like to send out an email on a friday you do the things that you need to do in order to make that happen um even if it doesn't you know even if it's only tracking email opens clicks yeah, and number of sends, which is the reality for I would say ninety five percent of of operators. Um, so yeah, I think that all of those things, okay, fine. Like they need to they need to be. There's a hygiene factor there, but actually, the thing that matters is how many extra bookings are you getting? How many people are coming back into the venue? And ideally, are they spending like more money with you? And if and if you can't, I think this will be true more more true over the next you know three years if you can't demonstrate those things using a platform uh you'll just get you'll get out beaten because the people that can do that they'll be able to use that as a lever to say okay well this is what works on a monday to a thursday this is what works on a friday to a, a sunday using really like a really empirical data set that you almost like you just can't argue with um 
I think, I, I, and as you'll know, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people sold tech and a lot of things appeared and people bought off the shelf just to survive, right? Just to open and get get whatever done. And I think you're so right. I think I think that as the industry becomes more tech savvy, as you know, Tech on Toast keeps educating people and explaining more and more about products, that actually people will start to understand that, that there are better ways of doing things, there are slicker ways of doing things, and there is a return. There is, yeah. you know, I'm guessing people like you don't waste your time just building stuff for fun, you know. So there, there is, there is return well, on, on on building this stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Everything, everything that we do is, is centered on ROI. So, like, when someone's logging into the platform, we're constantly like, "This is how, this is how everything's performing." Here's some suggestions on, you know, how we think things could be better. Um, and if a customer isn't seeing a, you know, I would say a one to 10 ROI in terms of how much they're paying us versus how much we're generating back, then we're failing. Um, and we, we rarely lose customers for, for that reason, which which is obviously great. Um, I'm going to give just another example. Yes, here, is, yes we, give you a second example. I interrupted you. I apologize. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. Um, so this is a, this is like a, a polar opposite um, customer, which is the Kitchen um, Group, which is a Michelin star group of um, restaurants run by um, Tom Kitchen. And so their customer is worth, you know, going back to the previous example, the average customer value in that example is about £18. On the Tom Kitchen side, it's it's 10 times higher. So about 180 to 220 wow. Um and so they they send out campaigns and the style of their campaigns is obviously very different and the content is very different. It's more talking about the experience, um, you know, what what specials they've got um, on their a la carte menu, what they've got in their tasting menu. So things that are like, I guess, aspirational that, that people see and they're like, oh, God, I'd I really like to try that new thing or I've never seen that done before. Um and so for their their campaigns, they generate a similar amount of ROI, but the number of people that actually come back in is, is far less. Um, so for their campaign um, that they sent out talking about a new tasting menu, that generates about £11,000 worth of ROI um, within the week. So, yeah, really great. And that, that represents, um, yeah, about 100, 200 people actually coming back in to the venue. Um, wow. I just, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I'm blown away actually because because often I do a lot of these chats, right? But not. I, I suppose I should dig deeper. Uh, but when I'm talking to people, it'd be, it's great to hear that actually there. Is, and obviously, there is. A, I'm, obviously, most guys create a return on what they're doing, but it's really interesting to hear actual metrics around it. It's it's cool. Um, I think that's fantastic. And what about that then? So you're gathering all this data, you're assisting with campaigns, um, and you're gathering feedback, I presume, as well um, from customers. How does that all wrap up? So I suppose to improve overall operations or customer engagement or one of those uh, one of those big tick boxes yeah so on the on the feedback side um i think that there's a there's a there's a predatory side to hospitality i guess which is the the i guess i would say that they're big tech providers right um i don't mind naming these people because you know they are the they're the true enemy i would say so <laughs> talking about google uh meta um probably categorized TripAdvisor where the incentives that they have aren't necessarily aligned with the customer in the same way that um, the customer thinks they are. Um, and so, you know, they've, they're creating these two-sided marketplaces and it's what yeah. they've always done. And so their incentive is actually to retain that customer for themselves, even if they were driven initially by the operator venue um, and I'm not saying boycott those things. Like, there's obviously a place for them, um, but I think that 
what they've done is effectively taken away control from the operator being able to have conversations and be able to have relationships with their customers directly. So I think on the, on the reputational side, like if you go to um, let's use a nightclub as an example, because this is where we see a lot of uh, great reviews coming in. Um, But if you go to a nightclub and you get kicked out for being, you know, drunk and disorderly, maybe, um, maybe, I don't know, you've had a bad week. You've met me before. (laughs) <laughs> yeah everyone's probably been there um everybody's got advice and so you know you get kicked out and you think oh god i'm gonna go on to TripAdvisor and i'm gonna you know say this place is terrible um for xyz reason and that exists out there on the internet and it brings down you know the review score of that business so for any new customers that are you know using those discovery platforms they see that and it's not necessarily representative of the type of experience that that business is trying to create and that can be like detrimental to yeah. their you know to that operator's ability to, to to get new customers or to be the place that people want to go and it can be really circumstantial right it, that feedback can be really based on one you know well it is based on one experience by one person yeah totally so so the way that the way that our platform works is we proactively ask everybody that's been in the venue how their time was simple you know one to five stars it's not going to it's not a survey that's like uh, tell tell me how well cooked your steak was. Tell me how the air conditioning was. You know, like filling out your your life history. But it's really to get a, a sentiment of how well the business is performing. Um, so so a customer basically can go on to that. You know, if they, if they leave the business because they were kicked out or whatever, they can go on and they can vent their anger. The feedback goes straight to the the GM that was working. You know, whatever night that was. And then they can decide how they how they want to respond rather than the you know new customers seeing that as an example of like how they treat customers. Um, so it might be that you know they reply saying, look, really sorry that you had a bad night, but we'd love to see you again um, for whatever reason. We've had a chat internally and you know we either were too heavy-handed or you know, you know, whatever the whatever the example might be. Um, but it really it gives the ability for operators to to create that type of dialogue that I really think is is necessary with, yeah, with like their- what would happen at a table, for instance, if you're if you're having a complaint within a business, you'd have a two way conversation, hopefully with a with the manager and fix it. One hundred percent, and that happens all the time with hospitality, which is yep. great. You're oh. at your you're at your table, then they're coming over. Is everything okay? Uh, can I get you anything else? But for some reason, when people leave, it's like, we'll just give that, we'll give that, you know, capability to someone else that we don't speak to. So it might be the Google TripAdvisor, Facebook. Um, and, it, and it's kind of crazy. So um, so anyway, yeah, we have that platform. We generate uh, about 8,000 bits of feedback a day. Um, and then, again, like we created this second order problem, which is like there's too much feedback to go through here. So we run it through... <laughs> We run all of the all of the text that gets submitted through some um, pretty sophisticated machine learning technical. What it does on the output side is it basically spits out here are things that you're doing exceptionally well based on sentiment. So it might be that people are talking really positively about your coffee service um, tables, but they're having a really bad time with the I don't know Guinness uh, heating. Do you know what I mean? It'll, it'll yes. pull out what the what the areas of the that the business needs to improve on, and then all of that track get, stuff gets tracked over time. So if you're you know if you're the GM of the business, you could look at this it, within five seconds. You'd be able to say, okay, well here are our priorities for the next three months. We need to work on our you know on our speed on our Guinness 
uh, and on our service, maybe. <laughs> I love the fact you went down, Guinness. You're definitely yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> but that, and what's interesting is that it's personal, right? And hospitality, I, I always say, is a very personal business. There's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of experience you mentioned before as well, which is heavily part of what we do. But personalization is in marketing and actually in engaging feedback and kind of uh, and then segmenting has become absolutely huge, right? And you look at the monsters of McDonald's and the, you know the fact that they're scanning my number plate and telling me what my four-year-old wants to have for breakfast. Well, breakfast, that sounds really bad. I don't take it for breakfast. <laughs> I'm very envious of you. I am a good parent. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, you know they, they know what I want before I arrive. And it's, it's really clever. How, how much are you incorporating that stampede? And how important is that, I suppose, um, for the future of hospitality in terms of the way we personalize um, marketing and segmentation? Yeah, I think um, personalization is, like, is massive. Um, so any... So we've got um, a CRM section of the platform, which has got a pretty sophisticated um, like segment builder. So you can create, um, there's probably like a million, you know, combinations that you could create, but as simple as um, I want to create a segment of people who have, you know, spoken negatively about the business, but have visited 10 times before. So you could take that segment um, of customer data and you might want to send them an automated email saying like, you know, this is a, priority one like issue for the business because there's a really loyal customer here that's for whatever reason had a really bad time and so that could you know um ping a notification for someone internally to deal with it you know manually or they could have an automated process which says look we'll give you you know your next visit is on us um and we want to rectify the problem that we had and so that could be you know totally automated um within the system and so our platform is is an enabler for all of those type of things. So it might be, so that's an example on the review side, but you might want to say, um, so an, an example is on the Wi-Fi side, we have the ability for people to do personalization through like a Tinder style swipe left and swipe right. Cool. I don't know if you ever use Tinder, Chris. No, not much anymore. No. Are you, <laughs> are you familiar with the mechanic? I'm, a, I'm familiar with Tinder if she's listening, but I haven't used it for at least uh, 15 years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Definitely. So, for, for the uninitiated, how it works is on Tinder, you swipe left if you like. If you swipe left if you don't like someone, you swipe right if you do. So we've taken that and we basically said um, our customers can create these cards, which might have a you know a picture of a cocktail and it'll say, "Do you like cocktails?" You swipe left for no and right for yes. So if they if they swipe right on that option, we then know that there's a customer there that like co- likes cocktails, and that might be true for like, do you like rugby? Do you like I don't know, Sunday roast or, or whatever it could be. So it's a fun yeah. fun way of doing personalization. And then all of that data can then be used within our marketing platform. So it might be that you want to promote, um, I don't know, a cocktail menu to people that have said they like cocktails and a, I don't know, a beer list to people that have said they like like beer. Um, and I think I think that's really the way, that's the way forward. Like people people don't want to go through like a list of check boxes. These are the things that I like. They want something that's fun, engaging. That's what hospitality is. So that's kind of what we've tried to do on the personalization front. And I think doing things like, we've seen it a bit where people are like, okay, if someone's told us they're a boy, that means they like football. And like, like for me, I hate football. And if someone sent me an email about (laughs) it, if someone sent me an email about football, I'd be like, I'm, I am, categorically not going back to that place out of principle because they don't they've basically shown that they don't know me um and they're they're trying to push something on me and if, if that's the type of people that go there 
absolutely fine, but I'm opting out of that process. Um, yeah, it's kind of lazy marketing right now. I mean, you, you could argue not even 10 years ago, it was that was the way things were done. You know, it, it was that simple. But now there is the ability to, to be uh, to be really accurate. Totally. I think that there is the ability to be, you know, to, to be really targeted and people, it's frustrating but not many places are doing it but when you when you're on the receiving end of that like you gave the McDonald's example it feels like magic like it really there's no other way of describing it it's like let's say they have scanned your number plate and they know that you've got a child that's four years old and you go in there for breakfast and they could suggest what you want like okay invasive maybe but also what an amazing experience for you know I mean Example, yeah, and, 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 you know, I, I think we, we experienced it through all the other tech we're using, right? So, you know, exactly. if we're on Amazon, if what you know, most of us, I mean, I don't know, but I'm doing 60 to 70 percent of my shopping through Amazon for anything outside of food, I suppose, and that will probably change in the next five years. And, and I think that, um, because we don't want to go to, because we've got three kids, we don't want to go to the shops, yeah, and they yeah. know how we behave the stuff that pops up in front of my face every day, uh, probably because I've got 17 Alexas in the house and all that kind of stuff. But every, <laughs> I'm totally yeah. open, everyone knows all about my life, everyone, yeah. yeah. But, um, but I think it, I, I think it is brilliant, and I and it's one of the reasons I love tech that I think it's it, it's engaging, it's enabling, and actually it's seamless. Um, yeah. if it got right uh, and you don't feel it. I think that's the thing when it when it when it works and it and it is seamless it feels like magic and I think that's the that's the opportunity that I see for our business within hospitality over certainly the next 3 years is to bring that capability that customers now expect to the the kind of masses that don't currently have that um have that functionality so so that they can create those magical moments um where people go like wow even though you know I, they did. They, they chose obviously through GDPR and, and whatnot to, to to give that information in the first instance. But ultimately, it just creates a much better experience where customers feel known and they you know receive offers, offers and promotions that are genuinely relevant to them. Oh, will, will you sleep easy then? Will you be happy once you've found? Will your personality change? I think once that um, once we've solved that that problem and, and got critical mass there i will i will sleep easy yeah but at the moment um... i don't believe you <laughs> you'll be on to the next <laughs> thing yeah. um, I, I suppose you've been in the so is it seven years eight years nine years that um stampede's been going yeah so we've been going for about seven years right um, now yeah and i was just saying you know you've, you've obviously you've got a lot of experience in the industry you're working daily with you know um, a lot of brands and um and, and actually very different brands which is quite cool right because you're seeing all all different parts of the sector, which is why most people love hospitality because it can be so different. Um, what are the evergreen problems you're seeing? I suppose so. Like on a final note, what what things keep coming across your desk? You're thinking, why am I still seeing this? And then how are you kind of a, approaching those? We probably discussed a few during the conversation, but it'd be great to know if you see any movement in people learning. Uh, yeah, the way yeah. So, so I think the the evergreen problems um, that we see a lot are. Um, are more around the, I guess, decision-making process within hospitality operators. Obviously, the bigger they are, the slower they move, and I think that isn't hospitality-specific. But I think there is a um, there's, a, there's currently a, a, a lack of education around tech, specifically within hospitality. There's obviously areas that hospitality do really well, like you know, resourcing um, and, you know, menu design, for example. But just in terms of like the adoption of the right tech 
um, and and how that decision making process is worked out, I think is is a problem that existed seven years ago and is still very much a problem today. So there are lots of um, there are lots of solutions and systems out there, out there that probably haven't been updated or maintained in ten years that are still being bought today. And I think for those, if there's any of those vendors listening, like we're coming for you. Um, <laughs> And so aggressive, so quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Friday afternoon, I shouldn't have done this day. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. I think innovation, innovation is is key, and and hospitality venues have, have always needed to to innovate. Um, and I think that the, the vendors of products also need to be, um, you know, aggressively innovating as as well, so that we can get to that point where we have you know magical experiences going out. Um, so I say that that's the first one and i think that another evergreen problem is like um the the reliance on and we spoke a bit about it in the past the reliance on third party data or or third party platforms like those two sided marketplaces which have a really low barrier to entry but a um a really high difficulty to wean off um so, and and i think that um, if you if you're starting a, a new venue, there should be a, a strategy to go from you know relying on those maybe for your initial ten thousand customers to then having a strategy that says this is how we're going to get off whatever that that two sided marketplace might be um, because it's it's a real fight that's happening um, in the background with with tech specifically where it's a fight for control of that cust- like the customer that's visiting and um yeah hopefully three years from now we'll be in a world where that control exists 100 you know for the venue and the venue operators um but i think that it, it's just it, it's a problem that you know i think has existed for seven years and is still very much um prevalent yeah and i think like probably deliveroo is a, a great example of that where they're they're in this like dichotomy of wanting to serve the customer and the operator and you know sometimes yeah you're at their mercy i guess and yeah they don't give you the data either so yeah you know yeah yeah. but you but you also don't control the levers right so you can't say okay i'm quiet on a monday let's get more orders through delivery yeah unless you you pay them an, an exorbitant amount of money for a customer that is in theory yours anyway um so yeah. it's really interesting. One of, one of the things we're doing, we're starting a thing called road test um, in the next uh, next month, where we're going to road test your tech, for instance, on a webinar with a, with a bunch of operators and have some fun with it, and you know, and do the swipe left, swipe right, and just have some fun with it, and just and and it's not. I'm trying to change the buying process. I really want people to understand actually that there's different ways to engaging with what's out there you know not just in tech actually this could be done for a number of reasons but i'm obsessed with this one uh and really want to uh kind of help people who are in my who position i was in not five years ago understand things better and make the right choice before jumping in signing a three-year contract and getting down that road and going oh my god uh, what have i done (laughs) and having to redo it all over again or the next ops director comes in has to redo it whatever it might be just to stop that because we evergreen problems in hospitality there are so many and they don't have to be um, but we, we we have a lot, and we I suppose tech is almost in a weird way has created another one, right? Um, but for the wrong reasons. So yeah, that's that's what we're going to do about it. And I, I love what you guys are doing. Um, yeah, how, that, how do people find you if they're um, if they're interested in swiping? Um, so you can head to our website stampede.ai. Um, yeah, simple as that, and that should um, hopefully describe what we do. Although I uh, I like the 
Uh, yeah, I like the anecdote of just taking like this is what we've done for one customer, and that should actually just be our home. You know what? That should just be your front page. You know, I literally, yeah. if, I, if I was an operator and I was, and I went on your front page and said, "Do you want?" Uh, I can't remember. It was ten thousand pound extra month? I'd be like, "Yes." Where do I sign? So yeah, so, yeah, that's some feedback from me. Yeah, but yeah, because yeah. often it's 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 easy, right, to be because um, your your product is complex in the nature that you do a lot of things, right? But actually, what you do is really simple, but yeah. that the results are fantastic. So yeah, I, I yeah. There you go. I'm not a web designer. Please don't take my word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, great. And what about you? Can they can they can people stalk you on LinkedIn and find? Yeah, you of course, of course. Um, so yeah, Patrick Clover on LinkedIn. I'm quite active there, and I'm very vocal. Um, so if I do have any frustrations with anything, or you know, we're working on something new, I'll share that on LinkedIn. Um, and always, yeah, looking to get engagement from from people um, wherever possible. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn, Patrick Clover. Um, I'm a guy wearing a space suit. Because we're on a mission. Yeah, to, uh... I just want to explain that before you go, because I saw I, I was I was working for Deliverect a little bit last summer, and um, and they they're also obsessed with rockets and space. Um, what's your reason? I think it's just as a um, it's obviously my job within the business to to kind of set the tone, um, and you know I talk about this three years from now. This is what the world should look like, and if we're not you know if we're not making progress towards that, then then we're we're not succeeding. And and there's a really great. Um, I think it, I'd probably say it's like an inspirational video of um, JF Kennedy talking about the space race. Oh, and yes. it's basically, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll try and dig it out and, I, and I'll share it I'll with share you. I'll share it in the link in the podcast. Actually, if you wouldn't mind, that'd be great because I, yeah. I agree. It's fantastic. Yeah, of course. And, and so what he talks about is how, because at the time, which was, I think, in the 60s, there wasn't the, there wasn't the material science to actually be able to, to move a vehicle at the speed that they needed to in order to hit escape velocity. There wasn't the fuel efficiencies that that were able to get people to the moon and back. Um, There obviously wasn't the technology. So I I think everybody knows that there was like a Nokia 3310 powering most of the Apollo missions. Um, And it was this, if you were to look at it um, objectively, you would say this is impossible. But actually people this this whole talk got people rallied around the fact that we do these hard things with technology and science not because they're easy and not because it's the easy thing to do or the easy path to take but we do them because they're hard and they're challenging and and i think that um oftentimes people forget that and they revert to whatever the easiest thing that they can be doing is but i really love the notion of like we're doing this thing that seems impossible you know, we're, there's Goliath out there and we're very much the David, um, but we can achieve it like through hard work and like just prob- like basic problem solving, really, and iteration. Like we will get to that point in three years. Um, and so like perseverance, persistence, when you have a bad day, like relying on others to pick you up and, and just really striving for better. Um, so that's why my avatar is a, is a guy. I'm coming to your next company sprint. You've just inspired me. It's a long journey for me, but uh, <laughs> I'll be there. More, man. More than right, any time. <laughs> right, look, Patrick, really cool speech. You really enjoyed it. And actually probably could have done an hour quite easily, uh, but we're not allowed. I have to do certain amount of time. But anyway, uh, really <laughs> yeah. nice to meet you and uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you. Actually, you're on the marketplace. If you need to find Patrick and Stampede, uh, they're on the marketplace. Go and have a look. Uh, and also you can review them there. And I'm now embarrassed about my reviews because he's going to be on there looking at the way I do it. So maybe I should have a conversation with Stampede. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. Say goodbye. Chris, bye for now. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in next week to find out who we've got coming up, or you can go and check out techontoast.community to find out more about what we're up to. Have a great week.